The Guardians win. Shane Bieber is dominant. Not the only dominant performance we have to talk about tonight. And the Cleveland Guardians continue to gain ground in the American League Central, all on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Yeah, I'm messing with the video. I apologize. It's brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. As stated before, I'm Jeff Ellis, the host for nearly 800 episodes of Locked On Guardians. That's right, 800 solo shows. It's a lot. Uh, to all the people I tried to set up interviews with and have not gotten to, I just apologize. Like, th- there's well known names we've started the process with. <laughs> I get bogged down. Two jobs, two kids. Stuff happens. And not like huge names. Like, I don't want to make it that seem like I'm out there, like, bringing in Hall of Famers. But uh, I, nothing against anyone where I try to set things up. Just life, right? We're all there. Uh, we may have co-host information to announce in the next couple of weeks. So keep your ears and eyes open. All right. Now let's get into the game today. Let's talk about an utterly dominant performance, uh, just a player who continues to seem to get better as the year goes on, and, and that is, of course, Tanner Bybee. Uh, we'll get into the Guardians game in a bit. Now, Bybee, six innings, ten strikeouts, six hits, one walk. He did allow three earned runs. Man, just every time. It, funny thing about this, uh, you know, I had to do the fake out, of course, this matchup. On the other side, uh, Bybee also had a ball, balk. Tim Kate pitching for Harrisburg. There was a time he was a Connecticut pitcher, cold weather arm, a lefty. I think it was the changeup, maybe the best changeup in his draft class. I really thought, uh, and I'm trying to think who the Texas A&M pitcher was. There was like two pitchers. I thought Steve Gingery and Gingery. I don't even know if he ever pitched in the minors due to injury, but I thought one of those two would end up in Cleveland. They did not. But seeing Tim Kate there definitely made me be like, oh yeah, I remember when. But, you know, the rest of this lineup, I had someone get mad at me. I think I've been saying instead of Micah Prize, it's Prize. So Micah Prize, uh, you know, stayed many times. Pronunciation, always something that escapes me. My co-host desperately wants to be on Mike. By the way, he had his 28th double of the year. Uh, Jonathan Rodriguez, we talked about his promotion, his he has struggled a bit in this promotion, though. Tonight was not a night of struggle. First triple, first double in uh, double A, and he had a home run. So he was just a hit away, a single away from the cycle. He got the home run in the ninth, the triple in, well, they don't say when those occurred, the triple and the double. But yeah, the the uncommon single away from the cycle went three for five tonight. Uh, you know, this lineup is definitely looking a little more picked over due to promotions. Uh, Martinez is definitely the top prospect. Lavastida has had his struggles this year with health. Jose Tenya went yard for the 10th time. He is a prospect who's seen himself dip a bit, but I wanted to do, and on top of Lavastida's problems, he also had two pass balls in this one. Uh, I just wanted to, of course, have some fun with it, talk about Bybee's continued on dominance, and I believe Bo Naylor also went yard twice tonight, uh, just in terms of fun going-ons. 
in the Cleveland Guardians minor leagues. Uh, two of your top five prospects having huge games. Uh, now let's get into the game. Uh, tonight's victory over uh, Kansas City. And yes, I know Kansas... Listen, Kansas City isn't as bad as they were, but they're still not a great team. Let's be honest. This is not... Uh, you know, a team that is really anywhere near contending, and you have to do this. You have to beat up on bad teams. And with the Minnesota-New York game being postponed, I assume due to weather, I wasn't paying too close attention to it. I just saw postponed and moved on. Uh, looking at that, winning today allowed Cleveland to go up a game and a half. Gives you a little more of a cushion, right? A little bit more... Uh, though we'll see what happens if uh, New York and Minnesota do a doubleheader or try to figure out a way to get that game in. Uh, for Cleveland in this one, it's their second game in a row where they had double-digit hits. Now, again, not huge amounts of runs. Uh, just one extra base hit, Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, I think that was even, like, in the eighth. I want to say it was super late in the game when they got that. Uh, as their continuing team, just one walk in this one team just doesn't walk it's a lot of singles so who reach base twice they should always go do the thing Jimenez of course got hit by a pitch he's got to lead the team in it uh, after his struggles you know people got mad uh, at me yesterday like well he you know he had the weak contact all he did today was reach base three times and have two singles uh, Oscar Gonzalez goes one for four has the one extra base hit and then your only other players who reach base twice are Austin Hedges because that walk in the hit and then Miles Straw Let's go back to, if you listen to the show, my random throwaway theory that there was some kind of Freaky Friday or uh, vice versa, if you want to go Fred Savage in the 80s with Judge Ryan Holden, who doesn't? Uh, theory that like somehow these two players, can only one of them can hit at a time. Like Straw started out well, and Rosario was really bad, and then Rosario hit well, and then Straw was awful. Now that Rosario is really struggling, uh, this is back-to-back multi-hit games for Straw. He got his batting average over 200. Uh, we'll see where it goes. It would be quite a boon if he can just be what we thought he would be, which is not even a league average bat, a you know 10% below league average bat with his defense. That's a three-win player. That is a win for this team, and especially when you look at the fact that like his contract is five years, five million a year. Five million for a three-win player is a great deal. I'm trying to think... I think it was from Quincy Wheeler. Quincy's always great. Uh, and he was quoting... He was quoting someone else. And uh, maybe uh, Always the Jake. I think it's... Let's give credit to both places. But yeah, it's... Uh, you know, a win is typically worth about $9 million. If Straw gets back to being what he had been for his career, it's, he's going to have so much surplus value. Uh, Ty Freeman continues to play, it, which is interesting to see. Though this one was the game where... Uh, you know, the good and the bad. Jimenez moved up ahead of Owen Miller in the lineup, which it should happen. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez should be in this lineup. I still think you flip those two in my mind, but hey. The lineup was slightly improved. I'll take it. Uh, Naylor sitting against a lefty, and just Breston General is always good after, you know, what he has gone through in the past uh, two years uh, since his massive injury and just getting back. So going through this game, you know, the Cleveland, uh, Chris Bubik uh, played well. Uh, the, the interesting thing is like the Bobby Witt didn't get a throwing error on a horrendous throw that directly kind of led to 
the fourth run instead Owen Miller got credit for a hit I, I, I get it like you're like okay bang bang play Bobby Witt's been a really bad defender by defensive run saves metrics um, it is kind of curious to see uh, overall how you know what do you do with him and it's also kind of crazy to look at this team and say see MJ Melendez batting lead off and playing left field he's a catcher I get you got Salvi but Man, you got a young catcher with a 722 OPS who's a good defender, son of a coach. You, you got you to gotta go with the youth movement all the way in. I had someone ask me, you know, why is it that uh, Hamilton loves the Royals so much and loves Drayton more, Dayton more? It was one come Drayton for whatever reason. Not like anyone's name is ever Drayton. Uh, I've never met a Drayton. Uh, but... Remember what we talked about yesterday. Dayton Moore hired Tom Hamilton's son to be an area scout. There's some reasons for him to uh, to really like him. And I, I think there's some common thought lines outside of baseball between them as well. So I think there's a lot of reasons for that crossover uh, there. But in this one, like him or not, and like I said, they are a team moving in the right direction. Uh, like this team or not, though, like all their moves, you know, I'm still ambivalent on Drew Waters. I, we'll see. Drew Waters is their Oscar Gonzalez. Like, th- there's a lot you can draw between those two athletic types who came up as center fielders with power potential who never walk and strike out. Like, it's just, it is, and, and <laughs> I saw also negative comments because I doubt Oscar Gonzalez. Again, uh, it comes down to this. Almost no one exists who is consistently year-to-year good with his profile. There's Louis Robert, who's had two seasons. There is not one hitter with walk rates as low as his, strikeout rates as high as his, that has been a year-to-year consistent hitter. So, yes, I get it. He came up with the hit yesterday. He had a hit today. Uh, You know, maybe teams figure it out, but you're basically, look at Salvador Perez. That is your best outcome. That is your likely outcome where... Hey, guess what? Some years it's going to be a 90. Uh, Some years it's going to be a 110. We'll see how it goes. For Cleveland in this game. Well, actually, we're at the 1030 mark, so let's take our first break, come back, do the box score bingo, talk about the three stars of today's game on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. Talked about it at the front. BetOnline is our sponsor for today and is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check on all of your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. I always like to say, go check it out. They always have a few fun things going on. Should we quickly check out tomorrow's line? And with the rookie Cody Morris on the hill, there there isn't any line. It's always a little bit dangerous when it's the unknown. So go check out Bet Online for many, many other things. Like I said, they don't have today's line, but they have featured same game same game parlays now. Uh, Chinese Taipei, Japan, South Korea. If you love baseball, they have you covered at Bet Online. Okay, so getting back into the game today, uh, you know the the box score bingo of it all: the ten hits, the one hit, or the one walk, 
uh, and then the one hit batter was 12 opportunities 12 opportunities is four runs hey it fits the other side of things four hits one walk it's five opportunities that's one and a half to two so again fits it's right in the right range uh, the one run coming on Salvador Perez's 20th home run of the year. Uh, the three uh, stars in this one, obviously Shane Bieber. Uh, you know, 99 had a relatively clean inning for him. I, I, not probably good enough to get him a star, but one inning, two strikeouts. We should talk about that. His first save of the year. Uh, I think Jimenez, having reached base three times in this game, is your second star. And then uh, I'm going to go Miles Straw again. Another multi-hit game for him. On top of the good defense, it's, like I said, I'm just so hopeful. Because if he can just, he doesn't even need to be good. <laughs> just don't be historically awful. That's going to just change this team. Uh, especially because, I mean, Tito has shown that he is not going to play Will Benson. I mean, Will Benson, what he last played on Friday. I mean, we're approaching a week since he appeared and he was in... Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday's game, and then has not played, hasn't even appeared since. Ernie Clement had the one pinch run appearance. They're just not even using uh, this the uh, the bench that much. It's just the same names uh, over and over again. Hopefully, it works out. I am curious to see. You know, they have the off day, so they can kind of set up the pitching staff for this important twin series, where it's going to be. You know, Cleveland is sending their big guns. Uh, just to look ahead. Now with the off day Thursday, I don't want to do too much looking ahead because I'm going to need things to talk about. Uh, I mean, there's always things to talk about. We can always do a deep dive minors, and we're going to do some minors chatter today. But uh, Cal Quantrell versus Dylan Bundy, Tristan McKenzie versus Chris Archer, and Shane Bieber versus uh, Joe Ryan. That That's a matchup. Those, those line up really well. And then after that, you have... Los Angeles Angels, where I can already look ahead and see the guys scheduled to pitch aren't exact. You know, I don't know if they're going to get Otani in this series or not. That Angels team is, as they are every uh, September, just circling the drain. It's it's kind of an embarrassment. They should have uh, let's honestly, they should have never fired Jerry Depoto. Uh, he, you know, had a good mix of skills that uh, I mean, they just. We'll see what uh, Perry Miasman can do, but uh, Epler, who's I believe now the Mets GM, wasn't it Epler? I think, uh, man, it, it's been an ugly decade, which is crazy when you get to the fact that that team has Mike Trout and Otani. Uh, but yeah, so Cleveland has those, and that's you know that we'll see what happens in this Twin series. I'm not. We'll, we'll do the big preview. They need to take advantage of facing the Angels after that because that Angels team is, again, not even really competing at this point in time. It's not like, remember earlier in the year when I wanted to trade for Taylor Blake Ward and the Angels were, like, waxing the Guardians? Well, since then, uh, they're now, like, strongly third in their division. And in terms of, sorry, Taylor Ward. I always go, Taylor Blake Ward is my friend, not the baseball player. Uh, Taylor Ward just still has a 123 runs created plus, so... Yeah, he'd still be a nice addition to the Guardians outfield, especially because he is a right-handed bat. I don't know if there's a world where he gets traded, uh, but he would be exactly what that team needs. Just to continue with the game today, we did our three stars. We did the box score bingo of it all. My co-host is making me jump over here because he won't. He just wants me to uh, to go to bed. 
but uh, not going to. I got a podcast, so he's going to have to calm down. Tomorrow's matchup for Cleveland, you know, since we are talking matchups. And where did I lose it? This is the problem. I click on the wrong thing and I lose it. Daniel Lynch, Cody Morris. We already talked about that. Man, Lynch is another one of those many arms. And it is interesting how badly. I mean, you can look at this week. Uh, uh, Chris Bubich pitched well today. But Brady Singer, looking there, looking at Daniel Lynch. These are guys who have yet to, like, be able to stick. And this is, they had a bunch of high picks after all those players left in free agency without much to show for it. I still, like I said, they're a fun, interesting team with some really interesting players now, but I still can't help but feel this has been one of the more botched rebuilds. Um, I mean, what, a decade almost since that World Series, and they've been in a rebuild basically the whole time? It's right up there with Detroit, where we keep hearing that it's it's their time now, and I bought into the Detroit ones. That, that's, you know, all the more on me, but yeah, it's kind of amazing to think and there's kind of a genius to the rebuild like in most situations like yes LA did like a mini rebuild and Epler still got fired because they were never able to do a full rebuild but when you're that GM it's like no we're rebuilding we're going to be bad for a few years build up it buys you so much more time like you don't get fired in baseball in your first five years if you immediately go into a rebuild if I was a GM unless my team was like in the playoffs I'd be like rebuild stripping it down we're, we're gonna start over uh it's a little bit amazing in some ways that like pittsburgh has still held on to a few players here and there that they didn't even you know brian reynolds of course stands out is a piece that's still there but yeah i think it's kind of interesting to look and i think you can say the same thing in like the nba and you know the nfl anymore like if you are a new general manager if you want to have because there's always a degree of luck and there's a degree of having the central pieces you need but just going full-on rebuild that might be the easiest way to guarantee yourself five years in that position as long as you can build the right acquire the right assets you have to show and in baseball in some respects it's easier because you just need the prospects to play well against lesser competition in the minors i mean prospects it's not until they hit the big leagues that some of those big name guys fall apart there are the ones the high picks who don't it just doesn't work for them but it is interesting to kind of track and see how much more we will see teams immediately go to full rebuilds uh, unless you know the manager the owner doesn't allow it because it just it buys you more time we're going to take another break here come back and talk a little bit about the miners on today's locked on guardians so should we start with the bad let's start with some pitching who which pitchers have the who are our 10 worst pitchers in the minor leagues by fip this year For those who don't know, that is fielding independent ERA is one of the best indicators for future success for pitchers. Who are the ones that have struggled the most? Robert Broom. Uh, If you know me, you know I thought he was their greatest hope to finally get value in the 10th round. I didn't think there was a huge, you know, I pat myself on the back when I get it right. I didn't think there was a huge gap between Broom and Sandlin. In some regards, I liked Broom more at points in the minors. Uh, Not a good thing there. Nine, Doug Nikhazy. I didn't love the pick at the time. I'm certainly not loving it as he, as this, you know, look what Gavin Williams did, the first round pick. Look what Doug Nikhazy has done as a second rounder. Look what Tanner Bybee did as a fifth rounder. Almost every other pick in that draft class, and I say almost because the number two and number three picks in that class have scuffled pretty massively compared to the entire rest of that heavy pitching class. Uh, But Nikhazy, as a second round pick that they gave, I believe seven figures to, 
kind of a disappointment so far. Jamie Arias, organizational soldier. Tanner Burns, it's a disappointing year. He's not cracking my top 30. He's just not. And I, you know, the question when he was drafted was this was a guy who could not maintain velocity throughout a season in college. He looked really good in the first few months and hasn't maintained it. He might just, it might be time to fast track to the bullpen. I know there's been health issues, but I think he could still be a major league player as a reliever. But the the problems we saw with uh, maintaining velocity have just remained. Alonzo Richardson, I see he was an undrafted free agent. Blanking on him a little bit. 19-year-old kid. Tommy Mace, the third pick, their comp B pick from last year. Definitely a seven-figure guy. Was essentially a senior. 5.26 FIP, and he's only played in high A as you know, one of the oldest pitchers in his class. That is that is extremely discouraging. Yes, they were aggressive in placement, but you think about who else they were aggressive with, who has passed him. He was the oldest pitcher in that draft class, and it certainly makes you wonder about the Florida stuff, right? Because, I mean, Leftwich has been great, uh, but, yeah, to see him at 23 just you know, not missing enough bats. And, and, you know, that was one of the big, I and mean, he was a potential second round pick at high school. The Reds were the team. I think the drafted him. We thought they were going to go way over slot and he decided to go to college. Didn't develop enough. And he said for where he was taken at his age with his pedigree, being below average in a ball is, it's not a death nail, but it's, you're kind of in that like Quentin Holmes group of guys where they're starting where you were looking at them like uh, now you gotta I gotta see if you can belong Kirk McCarty <laughs> the guy who has spent a lot of time with Cleveland by the way I mentioned it in the extra amount of the podcast uh, Anthony Castro continuing that Baltimore Orioles uh, train uh, that Kirk McCarty was a part of the Baltimore Orioles claimed Anthony Castro he is there I don't have an issue with that Listen, McCarty's been up and down. He's done his role uh, filling in from time to time. But yeah, if he isn't taken off the 40-man roster at the end of the year, I will be shocked. Jordan Jones, another guy who has just been, uh, you know, back and forth as a filler. You know, Adam Scott was a guy I thought might get taken on last year's Rule 5. He was a priority senior sign, a guy they gave a decent chunk of money for as a senior. Moved really well through the system until that 2020 COVID year, and just hasn't wasn't fully healthy last year and then you know this year it's only 67 innings so again not fully healthy but not super effective uh control just kind of got away from him and then number one former uh, former guardian at this point in time tobias myers uh if we want one more deep you have uh ronnie munoz who i'm not as familiar with and then aaron davenport interestingly is 12th so his is this kind of a jump from the 4.5 to a 4.38 in my mind. So that's uh, that's where that is. Now, in terms of most effective pitchers, according to FIP, predictive stats, Gavin Williams won. We know Gavin Williams. I don't think I have to go into it. Raymond Burgos. Now, he is 23 in A-ball. <laughs> he might be like... You know, it feels like he's been around forever. He just hasn't been healthy. 61 innings this year. Like I said, he was my sleeper back when Lavastida and Cody Morris was my sleeper in the low minors. And it's just been health, health, and health for him. But he's performing. Tim Heron, the lefty reliever, 
has not been as effective once he moved to AAA, but still an interesting lefty reliever in the system. He is eighth. Tanner Bybee, seven. Nick Enright, uh, he moved up to AAA and had no problems at all. I don't know if a team will take him because it's not dominant stuff, but he just continues to perform. And if I'm a bad team, I consider it. Like, you, you know, you typically get the best bang for your buck with relief types. Uh, five, Davis Sharp. Kind of, I don't want to say necessarily a forgotten guy, but with all the other big names and all the big performances in last year's draft class, you know, Davis Sharp is a two-way guy who has performed very well in low and high A this year. Cade Smith, who definitely a forgotten guy. The 2020 draft, I believe he was an undrafted free agent out of Hawaii, has you know 53 innings this year, but the fourth best fit, Joey Cantillo. Third best fit, 251 just 60 innings. I mean, the health of it all. That, that's the concern. It's like, when was the last time he actually pitched? I'd have to open and look at a game log. I feel like Joey Cantillo has not pitched in a very long time, and that means two years in a row that he has missed a significant amount of time. And, and I don't know if he's a slam dunk that you add to your 40-man, but then i tell you what, if I'm an opposing team, I snatch him in a second to put him in the bullpen. Uh, so if you don't want to lose him, you have to add him because he's been so good. No one's hitting the ball hard. He's missing bats. The walk numbers are okay. They're not, you know, low fours is fine. It's not bad. It's not great. If I'm a bad team, I absolutely jump on a lefty who has done what he has done. Jack Leftwich, the other Florida arm, started in low A to high A. He's been continually great. And then Andrew Miziasic, the right-handed reliever who double A to triple A still has the lowest FIP, barely holding on, uh, two four five to two four nine. So it is interesting that he is still there. We have three of those guys who, with Miziasic, Enright, and Heron, who've gotten the move up. And it's kind of funny how much, how you know, myself included, wanted them to trade for a reliever at the deadline. And then, you know, 99 was able to come back. Sandlin was able to come back. And Yale has continued to be a, a stabilizing force. It's like outside of Eli Morgan and Brian Shaw, that pen, where would you even add another guy? Uh, just to go further down, kind of fun names, Will Dion, who we talked about with his promotion, is at 11. Logan Allen, who it's been rough in AAA for him. That's why he's down here at 12 and not higher uh, on this list. And uh, you know, if we just want to complete the Florida triumvirate of arms from a year ago, uh, Franco Allman is 17th. He has pitched only in low A this year, and even though he's 22 years of age. Flipping it around. In terms of runs created plus, who are our least productive hitters? Is this, is that a little mean to go this way? Quinton Holmes, no longer with the team, uh, was let go. Had It says only 59 plate appearances. That feels like it might be. I thought he had more than that this year. Uh, but, yeah, there he is. If you go Willie Peralta, who's at over 168, he's at 11. And then... Not necessarily any huge names. Bobby Bradley at 17, but continuing to go from the list. Uh, former second-round pick Quentin Holmes, Daniel Johnson, who you know they traded away at nine. Eric Rodriguez, who's kind of a backup utility infielder. Jan Gomez at seven. Now here's one that hurts. Okay, we talked about Tanner Bybee and his issue. Not Tanner Bybee. Uh, Tanner Burns. Too many Tanner Bs in this system. When I think Tanner B, I mean, I think Bybee, not Burns. Carson Tucker, 129 plate appearances in A-ball. 
33 runs created plus. He's striking out 39.5% of the time. Listen, I didn't love the pick when it happened because I just was not sold on that profile. It has not looked very good since. And yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty ugly. Uh, Angel Mendoza, five. Skelling Rodriguez, four. Victor Nova with a 28 was third. He is now playing for... Um, I just passed that stadium. Uh, not is it? Not Erie. Um, the the dying town in in Indiana. Gary, Gary, Indiana. Gary has an independent league baseball team. And Nova was an interesting lottery ticket in the uh, Trevor Bauer deal. Just did not come together. Uh, Fran Aldi and then low guy Zach Vasfacasia, who's been in A and Triple A. You know, back up at a 17 runs created plus. Now it's a little mean, but it is interesting to see that. And let's talk about our top 10 minor league performers this year. It is interesting seeing the guys just outside the top 10. Like Nolan Jones, 15th best runs created plus in the minors, actually tied with Richie Palacios at 14 and 15. One below them, Jonathan Rodriguez. Below that, George Valera. Ahead of them, uh, Nelson R. Ark Guerin, and then Bo Naylor and Angel Martinez. But starting at 10, you have Jason Churio, brother. His brother, Jackson, is probably going to make every top 10 list at the end of the year. Uh, good bloodlines, and if you know my theory about younger brothers, then this is a player you definitely want to pay attention to. Uh, give you a fun fact about him. 23% walk rate, 12.6% strikeout rate. Yeah, that's, that's really fun. Uh, Matt Collado is in the the complex. I don't know a ton on him, if I'm being honest. He is 19 years of age. Next up, Cesar Idrango, who has played in A and high A. 114 plate appearances, 142 runs created plus. He's been really effective down there. Christopher Espinal is in the Dominican Summer League. Sixth best performance in the minors this year, Alex Call. We have Jose Cedrino, we talked about. I believe that is the catcher of note. Jose Gomez at four, both those DSL guys. Juan Benjamin, who's been in the complex and A-ball, and who has tied Will Benson. And then highest performance, Wilfredo Antones, who has a 172. Walking more and he strikes out and has a really high everything. I mean, <laughs> it's a 172. Now, obviously, it's a bit different if we pull out some of those smaller school guys, or smaller school, lower, really low-level players. You would see some of those guys like Nolan Jones, like Angel Martinez, like Richie Palacios make the top 10. It is interesting from the degree of, like, those guys in the upper levels, Benson and Call and Palacios and Jones. They may not have all gotten long looks, but they all got looks. What else do you want me to look at? Should I dive into a particular number? Do we enjoy these can top 10, top 10, bottom 10? Should we do that? Like top 10 for home runs, bottom 10 for home runs. I don't think this is very effective just because there's going to be a lot of guys at like zero and one, such as you have those light hitters. Uh, might be fun to do with something like walk percentage, strikeout percentage um, for both hitters and pitchers. This might be something I look to continue doing. At least I find it's interesting. So please let me know. Uh, remember to rate and review, download daily. In terms of the YouTube, we are at 
subscriber wise, five ninety seven. People keep saying the Guardians play in a weak division, but they can't hang with the big boys. Well, they take two out of three from the Blue Jays. They just split a series with the Astros. 